Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday evening podcast for our services tonight. We're glad that you're able to be with us and, and uh, glad that you're listening. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the worst year, the worst year. And this passage of scripture is found in Jeremiah chapter 39, and we'll be reading the first 14 verses of this chapter as we continue to think about Jeremiah's prophecies and the things that were going on during his day. So tonight, the worst year, Jeremiah 39, beginning with verse 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem with all his entire army and laid siege to it. In the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, on the ninth day of the month, the city was broken into. All the officials of the king of Babylon entered and sat at the middle gate. When he saw them, Zedekiah king of Judah and all the soldiers fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate between the two walls. They left along the route to Arabah. However, the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, arrested him, and brought him to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon's king, at Riblah in the land of Hamath. The king passed sentence on him there. At Riblah, the king of Babylon slaughtered Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, and he also slaughtered all Judah's nobles. Then he blinded Zedekiah and put him, him in bronze change, chains to take him to Babylon. The Chaldeans next burned down the king's palace and the people's houses and tore down the walls of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, the commander of the guard, deported the rest of the people to Babylon. Those who had remained in the city and those deserters who had defected to him along with the rest of the people who had remained. However, the commander of the guards left the land of Judah, left in the land of Judah, some of the people who owned nothing. And he gave them vineyards and fields at that time, speaking through the captain of the guard, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon orders, uh, gave orders concerning Jeremiah, saying, 
Take him, look after him, and don't let any harm come to him. Do for him whatever he says. Father, we thank you tonight for the reading of your word and for the information that's given here. Help us that we can take heart that you're still in control, even though everything falls apart around us, even though it doesn't look good as we look at the things that are going on in our world. And I pray that your blessings would be upon each one tonight as we study these scriptures and as we understand what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, what happened to Jeremiah, what happened to the land of Israel, and how that God was still in control. I pray your blessings on each one that's listening, and thank you again for the opportunity to honor you in what is said and done. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that no ordinary man has ever had a more difficult commission than what Jeremiah had. In his day, the army of Babylon was sent to take over Jerusalem. And it was Jeremiah's unpopular duty to counsel submission, declaring that the king of Babylon would certainly take and destroy the city. He had to tell everyone to surrender because God had told him to do that. Jeremiah didn't do that on his own and probably would not have done that had it not been a direct order from God for him to preach these particular tidings. This made him the object of bitter hatred on the part of the zealots, nationalists, and patriots in Jerusalem. But he continued to preach what God had given him to preach, even though he spent time in prison and in a muddy cistern without enough food and received beatings from the officials in Jerusalem because of his prophecies. I believe this is to be one of the best testimonies to Jeremiah's legitimacy as a prophet. Had he been a false prophet, seeing his own, seeking his own glory, his prophecies would have changed when the heat was turned up, when he began to be in trouble. But Jeremiah stayed true to the message given to him from God. I'm sad to say that many preachers today are not staying true to the Word of God, but they are changing to win popularity with the crowds as we see them leaving the plain teachings of the Word of God, especially about homosexuality and adultery. There's a movement of so-called prophets today that will only tell you good things. They will tell you, you're going to have beautiful things to wear for God's glory. You're going to make a lot of money for God's glory. Have expensive cars and houses to live in. You will never hear these people say that you're going to hell if you don't repent because they know that such phrases are unpopular and yield very little 
in collections that are received from the people. They're after their money. But Jeremiah was real. His prophecies were truly from God. And because he spoke of judgment for the disobedience of the people, he was met with hatred rather than honor. Let me give you a little bit of history. The year 536 A.D. might have been the worst year in world history. What happened in 536? A volcanic eruption in Iceland spread ashes across all the northern hemisphere, leading to a dark fog that covered Europe and the Middle East and parts of Asia for 18 months. Temperatures fell so much that it snowed in China in the summertime. Crops failed and people starved. Further eruptions and the bubonic plague piled disaster upon disaster. Now for the Jews, however, 586 B.C. was the worst year in Israel's history. You see, the siege that we read about a moment ago with Nebuchadnezzar was for two and a half years as Jerusalem Jerusalem fell to the Babylonian army. We read that in verses 1 through 3. The city of David was conquered, her gates destroyed, her walls torn down, and as we read from what Nebuchadnezzar did, the buildings were burned and the temple completely destroyed. The temple of Solomon, a symbol of God's presence and favor, was burned to the ground. King Zedekiah tried to flee, but he was captured and forced to watch his sons and officials killed by the enemy. And then he himself was blinded. That's verses 4 through 7. The last thing that King Zedekiah saw, the people of the city were captured and forced to watch All of these things take place as well. Only the poorest were left in the land. All the others were taken into exile. This is found in verses 8 through 10. We're amazed by Jeremiah's faithfulness as he continued to give the message that he gave during the siege that the Babylonians had around the city. And we find that to his thankless and heartbreaking role as a prophet, he had to suffer. We need to have faithfulness like Jeremiah had so that we too will obey even when we have no hope of earthly reward. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 
You see, we do have something to look forward to. But it may not be in this lifetime. It may not be here on this earth. Today, I want to show you a parallel of what was happening in Jerusalem in Jeremiah's day and what we're living in right now. How the people reacted to Jeremiah's prophecies and how people are reacting to the preaching of the Word of God today is similar. Now, during Jeremiah's time, the king and king's advisors made excuses for not hearing God's Word. In chapter 38, verse 4, it says, The officials then said to the king, This man ought to die, speaking of Jeremiah, because he is weakening the morale of the warriors who remain in the city and of all the people by speaking to them in this way. This man is not seeking the well-being of the, this people, but disaster. You see, they were listening to what Jeremiah was saying, but not taking heed to what he was saying. They knew his words. They knew that he was telling the people to surrender to the Babylonians and that they would be treated fairly. The advisor's first excuse for not listening to what Jeremiah was saying was that he was weakening morale. They were basically saying, he is telling us that we're wrong and that doesn't make us feel good. So we will not listen to him. When we as Christians say that an act is sinful, we're told that we are weakening other people's spirits. And we shouldn't do that according to the experts. There's even a group of people who are saying you shouldn't discipline your children because all you do is hinder their personality and they will grow up with a guilt complex. <laughs> Rubbish. Many pastors are attacked today when they preach God's word without reservation as men who simply want to demean others and build themselves up is what the others are saying, what the people that are listening to the message are saying. Many people today fear that true preaching will weaken the morale of the people. Really? Notice Zedekiah's advisors. The second excuse they use for not listening to that message, they said, his message was impure. They said he doesn't want what's best for us. He wants to see us suffer. Many people today despise the church because they feel that the motives of the church are not pure. How many times have you heard the phrase, I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites. And they'll also say the pastor is all about money. Now we know sadly that this is true in some instances. These pastors and congregations are going to be judged 
for how they fail to present the true message of God. But my question is, what excuse are you using to keep you from coming to church and hearing God's word? God was telling the people if they would simply have uh, leave the city, as Jeremiah was telling them to, and, and trust in him, he would take care of them. Likewise, God is telling us today, if we will leave our sins and trust in him through his son Jesus, he will take care of our eternity. And he will take care of us in the here and now as well, won't he? But we use the excuses. The Bible is too old to be taken seriously. It's just a content of fairy tales. Have you ever heard that? I have. And then they'll say all religions are just the same. Jesus can't be the only way to heaven. And then I don't believe God can be known. I don't believe that we can know who God is. Another excuse, I'm going to wait until I have a more convenient time. The Bible speaks about that, doesn't it? And then they'll say, there's no such thing as absolute truth. What's your excuse? What's keeping you from leaving your sins and going to God? Let us notice that the king, King Zedekiah, feared surrender to God. In chapter 38, 19, prior to the verses we read this evening, it says, But King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am worried about the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans. They may hand me over to the Judeans to be, abuse me. Notice that it was not unbelief that kept the king from surrendering to God's will. It was his fear of the people. Though God had promised to keep him safe, he didn't trust God. And he didn't believe that God would follow through with that promise. I believe that this is why many people today say they believe God, yet they don't surrender to his will. They fear the consequences of the world. The things that the world could do to them if they surrendered to God's will. Is there a fear in your life that keeps you from surrendering your heart to God's will? Maybe you're afraid of accepting Jesus as your Savior. You fear you might lose friends who believe all Christians are losers, as they would say. Maybe you're afraid to accept Jesus because these individuals might mock you and your new belief, your, your faith in God, your attendance in church, your dedication. The king feared mocking if he surrendered and he ended up in prison, his eyes put out, after just seeing his children's death. How sad. Let us notice verses 4 through 7 
of our text tonight. It says, So it was when Zedekiah the king of Judah and all the men of war saw him that they fled and went out of the city by night by way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls. And he went out by the plain, but the Chaldeans' army pursued him and overtook Zedekiah in the plain of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, where he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. The king of Babylon also killed the nobles of Judea. And moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him to Babylon. You see, Jeremiah had even pleaded with the king to turn to God before that took place. And he told him that all these disasters that had been prophesied would not come upon him. Notice verses 39, verse 20. He said, they will not hand you over. Obey the voice of the Lord in what I'm telling you, so it may go well for you and you can live. We plead with people today as well. We plead with them to surrender their lives to the Lord God of heaven before it's too late. In conclusion tonight, when the city fell, Jeremiah was still imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard. His prophecies were known to the Babylonians. Perhaps through his letter that he had sent to the first group of exiles in Jeremiah chapter 20, 29, but as a result, he was given freedom to go wherever he wished, verses 11 through 14 has told us. He was put into the custody of the imperial governor. Although this governor was friendly to Jeremiah, we find in chapter 41 of Jeremiah, he was soon assassinated. The fall of Jerusalem is so significant in its narration. Four times it's stated in the scriptures. In 2 Kings chapter 25, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, Jeremiah 39 that we read part of it tonight, and Jeremiah chapter 52. As a prophet, Jeremiah was vindicated since his messages were fulfilled. But as a Jew, he was overcome with grief. Now you know why he's called the weeping prophet. And he is the individual that wrote the book of Lamentations after he wrote the book of Jeremiah, grieving over the fall of Jerusalem and Judea. Jeremiah displayed uncompromising loyalty to the Lord. 
he obediently proclaimed God's truths, even when the message was distressing and resulted in suffering and Jeremiah's sadness. How about us today? Are we committed to Christ no matter what? Father, we thank you tonight for the reading of your word. We know that it's not a popular message, and it's not an easy message tonight, but it's a message that's needed by the world. It's a message that's needed by the lost. And Father, we pray that we as your people would be attentive to what's happening in our world today, and we can be your messengers we can influence our neighbors. We can influence our friends. We can influence our families. And we can reach more and more people that they might come to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that we might be faithful to the end regardless of what we may have to face or even what we may suffer as we live in this life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.